0: Chapter 45 Slaughter in the Dark I lay there, gripping the ground, trying to will myself to run. But the vile awfulness of the slaughter in the dark filled me with such terror that I could no more escape than a rabbit pinned by the talons of a hawk. Tearing sounds and heavy thuds and grunts and giggles echoed in the darkness. In desperation, I managed to push, slide, stumble a few feet down the slope. Above me, a man's voice, high and ugly with terror, pleaded, "Gods, no! Please, don't do that to her! Another scream then, a woman's, so high-pitched and infused with fierce suffering, that for the briefest moment, that achieved the clarity and pitch of some mythically perfect musical note. I tore at the hillside, clawed out clumps of stony soil and grass, stuffed the dirt and vegetation into my mouth, crammed soil and stones and roots in, tearing skin from my lips and tongue, choking off any screams that threatened to erupt from me. I shoved soil and shards of stones into my ears, but nothing could blunt the sound of massacre. Mercifully, the killing was done with quick enough. The sounds of violence and terror soon giving way to a quieter grunting and chewing. I could hear lips smacking in satisfaction, and once a large burp followed by laughter. It was a horrible thing. Listening to the beasts feasting, but I was momentarily free of the terror that had paralysed me. Quietly, I sat up and spat the dirt out of my mouth and scratched the dirt from out of my ears. Then one of the creatures spoke, and whatever embryonic plans for escape I had shrivelled to nothing. In a mocking voice, one of the beasts repeated the pathetic plea of its victims. God, no! Please don't do that to her! It was not the mockery or the laughter after, that sent a shiver through me. What broke my will to escape, what shredded and ripped and utterly destroyed my will to escape, was that I recognised the voice, as thin and cruel as razor wire. It was the voice I had heard behind me in the foggy pool. I knew then that I could never escape. My hunters would catch me no matter how I strived and struggled to survive. Defeated, I lay down once more, naked and stained with soil and blood. I wept and prayed to the Queen of the Universe and to her consort's space. Please, I whispered, let my death be quick and let it be painless. Above me, the laughter had stopped, I could hear shuffling and a heavy dragging noise. Another body being brought to the meal. I squeezed my eyes shut and tried to visualise the two great divinities, but no image came to me. Had I been too arrogant to believe they would pause in their holy labours to heed my petition, yet I could not allow my plea to fail. A quick death was all I asked for. If only I could get the Lord and Lady of the Heavens to listen. In desperation, I turned my prayers to a lesser god, to Beatrice, the goddess of broken hearts and secret paths. Dearest Beatrice, I prayed, I came here to try and learn what the divinities had willed for the saging realm, but soon came to wish for only one thing. To find what has become of the soul of my wife, your most devout supplicant. In my folly, I thought I could help her soul pass on into paradise and eternal love. But I have become trapped and terrified. All I ask is that my death is not shameful or prolonged. I can give you nothing in return, but please remember all the countless offerings my wife gave you. It was my wealth that allowed her to give you all those gifts. So in a way, I did give you gifts. And despite political objections, I included you in my household shrine. I rambled on for a while. And I cannot say, I would never dare to presume, that Beatrice heard me. But the very act of chatting to her helped soothe me. I became calm and resigned to my fate. Soon enough I stopped talking and simply lay with my eyes closed. I could still hear the sound of the foul feasting, but the grunting and ripping were muffled now, as if I had drifted a great distance from the abominations. As the noise of the beasts faded, so an image began to form in my mind. Blurry wisps of blue that slowly coalesced into the picture of a blue hood and cape, the holy apparel of the goddess Beatrice. As I lay contemplating that holy garment, I recalled a moment from my long gone past. I was standing in a great roofless hall, looking up at the stars. It was my wedding day, and I was trembling with joy and fear. Suddenly great horns sounded, and I turned round shaking. Had my father, the greatest of the sage and monarchs, come? I knew from servants and sycophants that he had spent many weeks troubling over what would cause him greater shame. Attending the wedding ceremony, or attacking it. Yet in an instant I put my fear behind me, for there, wearing her blue wedding robe, stood Numa, her eyes wide and alert. I took her hand in mine. It'll be okay, I assured her. Beatrice will protect us. My wife-to-be smiled. Who's worried? she said, and opened her cape reveal an array of small but deadly weaponry. The memories soon dissolved, but the feeling of joyful defiance remained as I drifted to sleep, mere feet away from a plateau that was as blood-stained and gory as a butcher's table. for listening to this latest episode of Marcus, Marcus and the Hurting Heart. If you're enjoying it, please tell your family, your friends and your ancient enemies. The story, as you may have noticed, is getting a wee bit weirder and darker and it will be getting more weirder and more darker as the episodes go on. So stay tuned. And of course, stay safe, wash your hands your distance, wear those face masks. And if you want to support the show, you can buy me a coffee. The details are in the episode notes.